0: never experienced and look at you, you radiate joy. Now what's happened? It's not that one's bad and one's good, it's that one has discovered that the gift is gratitude. As Henri Nouwen said, I hold my life in that chalice, however it is, with all its confusions and doubts and mixed up mumblings, with all the noise and haste and doubt and confusion and irritation and anger, and I hold it up and I give thanks for it. And he transforms it. Not me. But I give thanks. Now you know that. I don't know how you learnt that, but you learned it somewhere because it's in the charismatic renewal that I learnt it. Somebody told me, you take the mess, you take the doubt, you take the confusion, you take the anguish, you take the love and joy and all the celebration and it's held up. Why? Because it's a cup of joy and it's a cup of sorrow. And he transforms it for us. And so tonight we were led in prayer and our prayer leader says, let's thank God And people did. Because you know this. And somehow, sometimes I want to think... You know, I find myself thinking... Gratitude is at the heart of our theology. Gratitude is absolutely at the heart of our theology. It's blessed and broken because... He looked up to heaven and gave thanks to his almighty father. That's what we do with our lives. And it's bizarre... I've found that the people who suffered most are rarely, rarely the most angry. You come across people whose lives are a testimony of tears and they've held on to the joy we profess. So what do we do? We don't have to feel grateful, but we say, Lord, I hold it up to you, all of it. And you transform it. It's amazing. You know, it's interesting. Bitterness and anger never transformed anything. I I have the pleasure of reading history at university. And we seemed to just read and read and read about one war after another war after another war. Do you know, when they tried to bomb London to pieces, the theory was it will break their hearts. It didn't, because anger doesn't change anything. In fact, the people of London tell me it strengthened their resolve. That's what they tell me. It didn't break them at all. Because anger doesn't transform people gratitude does so what happens when he comes out of the belly of the whale God says Jonah remember I remember you dancing <laughs> off you go now the interesting time this this time Jonah's got a different message to the people of Nineveh in the first commission he's sent to berate them in the second commission He has a very different phrase and it's interesting because he's saying to the people, and God loves us so much, he may relent. And God loves us so much, he may relent. You see, Jonah's lost his sharpness, he's lost his edges, he's lost his bitterness, he's lost his resentment, so by the time he's asked to do it the second time, he's God's angry, we're not living the lives we must lead, but if we turn to him, he'll be compassionate. It's a different message. It's the complete message. The first time he wasn't ready. Now look, I'm not judging you now, but I'm just going to speak from personal experience. When I preach, teach or parent... From resentment or bitterness, people don't hear me. I can just promise you that. It just doesn't work. And sometimes I think, well, oh, I'm going to tell him now. <laughs> do you know, Have you ever thought that? You know, what, what we do is unwittingly sometimes we think, <laughs> come on then, let's theologically spar with each other. You can feel it inside yourself. And you're not coming to it from a place of gratitude or compassion. You've not been through the belly, so you've not tasted the darkness. Neither have you tasted the joy. When that happens, the message is transformed. Now we've got about five minutes to go. Just with the person next to you, I want you to wake them up. (laughs) Tell them thanks for coming. (laughs) Give them a big kiss and say... Here we go. Are you ready? What strikes you about those two things—the belly, and then gratitude; darkness, and then gratitude; suffering, and then gratitude? You've heard it before, but what strikes you about it now? Just with each other for a second gives me a chance to look at my notes. Off you go. <laughs> I was just sharing uh, just the just the, one of the things that I wish Claytons and all, all, all these no Clinton's sorry all these card companies, I keep saying, you know, will you stop sending out every Valentine's Day uh, Valentine's cards with young people on? What we need are Valentine cards with the elderly on, because they've got something to teach us about love, right? I mean, uh, you know, it's not difficult to fall in love when you're 14, I remember it, it's fantastic. In fact, I used to do it on a daily basis. Uh, I could fall in love at church, I could fall in love on the bus, I was falling in love all over the place. I loved everybody. But what I, what I want are images of people who have loved and gone into the belly of the whale. And they've come out the other side with grateful hearts. That's what Jonah's about. You come out of the other side with grateful hearts. All right. Other, the, the only other choice is the embittered journey. Where it's everybody else's fault. And life never dealt with me fairly. I've come into the conclusion because I'm so fortunate to work with so many people in my life. And now I know this is going to sound shocking, but I have yet to meet anybody who's got an easy life. I know it seems like that sometimes. And it seems like that when you drive along some avenues and houses are bigger and greener and longer drives than we've got. But the reality is, I have not met yet anybody who's having an easy life now what do you do with that do you grow angry or do you fall in love with your maker because if you're going to fall in love with your maker you're going to end up doing what Simon of Cyrene did and you're going to carry his cross and you know it's going to redeem you and you're going to discover that it was never about having an easy life it was never about that anyway and once you're free of that, you can stop looking for it. <laughs> See, what a what a fantastic release that is. Like my mum says to me, I don't have to care anymore about what people think. They can all sod off, she says. <laughs> and she's a great Christian woman, my mum. I don't care anymore. They can all sod off, you know. And she doesn't... She's, She's actually coming from a place of compassion when she says it. That's the irony, that Jonah's story turns everything on its head. It's your vulnerability that will evangelise, not your success. It's your vulnerability that's going to evangelise. You've come here ever so slightly broken, ever so slightly beaten up by the events of life. And that's what'll evangelize. Unless you pretend you're not like that. And then I've got to pretend as well. And then we all sit there on the tube train pretending that everything's just fine. <laughs> that's the great lie St. Augustine taught, you know, I'm okay, you're okay. Well, you're not, and neither am I. And it hurts. Like all life hurts. Because it's about dying anyway. But that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. (laughs) If we can just let go. This is the mystery of salvation. Christ has died Christ is risen Christ will come again that's the story and it's in Jonah and this is why Raymond Brown as we come towards the end of this passage begins to say look folks when you get to Jonah something remarkable is happening in the Old Testament because up until that point it's been chosen people royal priesthoods people set apart but God's here and not there it's been about people being better than other people It's about some people getting drowned in the sea and some people getting to the promised land. Not in Jonah. In Jonah, it changes. And it changes with the last two paragraphs. And Raymond Brown, who in my opinion was one of the most substantive Catholic scripture scholars of all time, says, when you get to this passage in Jonah, something quite remarkable is happening about God's revelation in the Old Testament. Why? Because this last couple of paragraphs ends with something amazing. Now what happens? He's learnt, he's taken the cup of suffering. He's been thrown up, he's been baptised, and he's come up a child now, if you like, with the revelation of Jesus, he's come up from his Adam life into his Christ life. And now, on the other side of baptism, he's now in a place where he can be grateful for what he has rather than angry about what he hasn't okay but he's still got another painful lesson to learn what is that he's ready but wait he's resentful of God's generosity God loves the others too and as Jonah knew really deep down in his heart God always did now that folks is a problem do you know did you ever have a really popular friend? Did anybody ever did, you ever... did you ever kind of... I don't mean fall in love necessarily, but did you ever find yourself with somebody that everybody else liked? You know? What's interesting about that is the first encounter is fantastic. Hey, I really like you. But then we go ever so slightly resentful. That the others do too. And then we kind of want to do this. Watch, it's very interesting. You come over with me. We'll go and sit over there. And we occupy someone. Because when I'm sitting with this person, I feel pretty good. Problem is, that person's got a charisma. Charism that makes other people feel good too. And before long, there's just a little bit of deeper jealousy. Why is it that I don't want you to want them, I want you to want me? And we're like that sometimes with God. As bizarre as it may sound, there is just ever such a slight temptation in human nature to say, not them, Lord. (laughs) You come over here with the shiny people. I mean, I know you'd never do that. But I've seen some people say, yeah, Jesus, you wouldn't like the six o'clock crowd. <laughs> they don't sing. I mean, I know you'd never do that. But it's very interesting. Now, what happens in this moment, it's a profound revelation that Luke and Matthew will go on to talk about in the Gospels, the sign of Jonah. What is that? Well, there is that aspect of being born, redeemed again. But there's this also. Luke suggests Dennis McBride. The main theme that runs through Luke, if anything, is this. Who eats with whom? Who eats with whom? Luke devotes virtually all of his gospel to that question. Who eats with who? And he's, just as you get comfortable with everybody around the table, the Lord goes and throws another prostitute into the melting pot. (laughs) And then we'll have a tax collector. Just as we get comfortable with the people who agree with us. The Lord's going to throw in another one from the six o'clock service. (laughs) If you get a chance, if you really want to, that lovely last song that Keith led us in, you know, that kind of, did you feel the Jewishness of it? Jesus put a song into our heart, you know, and the, the rhythm of it's fantastic. Go and have a look. Get it out on video. Just go and watch it again. I know you've seen it many times. But go and look at Fiddler on the Roof. Because the whole of that musical is about this. Each time his daughter brings back another man that's going to stretch the extent to which he puts his arms around people. At first he gets a good Jewish boy. A good Jewish boy. But he ain't easy. But by the end of the film... His daughter is bringing back a Russian revolutionary. And the whole of the film is about, Lord, just how far do you expect me to bend before I break? Do you know, in this chapter, we get introduced to a new dimension of God in this story. It is remarkable Because in this story, it closes with a profound statement of God's love. This is not the vengeful God destroying one people over another. At the close of Jonah's book, he's saying to Jonah, Jonah, those Assyrians who live in Nineveh, who you call unclean, who are an angry people, who rob and rape and pillage, those people who are known for their ferocity... Jonah, I love them and I always did. That's why Raymond Brown said, watch the end of Jonah, it'll slap you. And Jesus, who is the completion of God's revelation, will reinforce it again and again and again and again in Luke's gospel by saying, and she, Peter, is welcome at the table too. fantastic story this and you chose it, why? because with Pat Collins tomorrow we're going to begin to explore what does it mean to evangelise and I'd like to suggest to you in order for us to be ready to evangelise we need to check three things number one did you know it was being in the belly that prepared you not being on a course number two Did you know that in your pain you learnt to thank Him? You did. You have. In your pain you learnt to thank Him. That's God's grace. And number three, if you're going to evangelize, I've got to tell you this it ain't going to be with the ones you're expecting. It might just begin a bit closer to home than that. So, I'm going to tell one more story after this last break. It's time almost to go and have a drink. Just with each other for a minute. Just one thing that struck you about that last three quarters of an hour. And then a story, and we'll, I think we'll finish then. So just with each other for a minute, would you? Just anything, really. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So to finish, before we go to the bar, just one short reflection, very short reflection. Um, Has't for those of you that are Catholics, hasn't it been amazing these last few weeks? You know? Absolutely amazing. I found myself watching the telly, listening. I, I had, I, because the one place you wanted to work during the Pope's funeral was our office. It was absolutely fantastic because there wasn't a Catholic on the planet who wanted to ring our office up. It was fantastic. (laughs) It was fantastic. The phone never rang all morning. It was fantastic. So I'm sitting in my office getting loads of work done with Radio 4 on. I've got Archbishop Peter Smith on Radio 4, explaining the Mass for two and a half hours, thinking, this is amazing. The whole world wants to know about Evangela. They want to know about us. They've never wanted to know about us. In fact, I've made a business of them not wanting to know about us. <laughs> Everywhere I go, everything I do, I avoid the subject of being a Catholic. I've barely ever come out in my life. And, and then, and then we get this stuff about the Pope. And their radio's on and their telly's on and I'm turning it on and I'm just thinking this is absolutely incredible. What was incredible? I'll tell you what was incredible. Is John Paul II understood that it isn't about being strong. Coupled next to President Bush... For a second, he made power look foolish. You don't understand that unless you've been in the belly. If you've been in the whale, you look at a man crumpled up and barely able to speak and you will say, that's leadership. But you won't do that if you've not been there. And I'll tell you something, I'm convinced of this. Two weeks ago, people cottoned onto it. And they looked and they thought, actually, perhaps being the Pope is about being broken too. Fantastic. Fantastic witness. Of course that's not what power looks like. Power looks like a man barely able to speak. And and for a second, I felt more proud to be a Catholic than I ever have in my life because I thought, yes, that's an image of leadership I can follow. Because inside, I'm like that. I'm not like President Bush. Inside, I'm like that man. And I can follow that. And then he chose the reading, there will come a time... When you will be taken where you'd rather not go. But listen, this is the point of tonight. It doesn't matter because it was never about you anyway fantastic do you know we can let go this weekend of all our self importance everything we ever built up to stand on and we can say I love you you love me let's just let go for a couple of days let's be ministered to by Pat let's sing let's drum let's dance let's enjoy Steve let's eat together and let's just leave it for a while and see what he's got to ask us to do and don't be too surprised If it's your very weakness that gives you your strength, that's what you've come to. Enjoy it. I'm so sorry that tomorrow I've got to go and stand in a hall somewhere else and give out leaflets. (laughs) Because I'd rather be here. But you have a good weekend. I know you're going to. Enjoy it and enjoy each other. Thank you. This is the end of this recording.